So mom, it's that time of year again. It's your birthday and it's Thanksgiving. How do you like having a birthday on a holiday? I think it's appropriate. Appropriate for what? To give thanks for you being in our lives? Right. Yeah. You have a famous line about sharing your birthday. Do you know what? Do you remember what it is? You say it every year. I'm sick of sharing my birthday with a turkey. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> We thought about taking this week off from potting. With all the cooking and family hassle of Thanksgiving, it seemed like a little too much. But then we got this brilliant idea of combining the two and making this a podcast about all the cooking and the family hassle of Thanksgiving. And I guess we're about to see whether or not it really was a brilliant idea. Okay, now I'm bringing back uh, two people you'll recognize from our first podcast episode, my sister Joanne, who is a retired Washington Post editor, and my sister Lisa, who is a still very much working too much nurse practitioner at an oncology practice in Albany, New York. And we've been celebrating Thanksgiving together for a really long time. Lisa, one of my biggest memories is the Thanksgiving Day Parade, and you loved it even more than I did. I love the parade. I still love parades. I get up and I put a turkey breast in the oven and I watch the parade and and I, four hours. of It's fabulous. I sing and dance in the living room and... <laughs> I, I don't I want to be there. That's on my bucket list is to get to the parade one of these days. Do you know, I actually took my uh, two of my kids to uh, New York City for for the parade one year when we were living in Maryland. We took the train up and they like you loved it, watched it every year. They hated it in person. It's freezing cold. You have to have a ladder with you because otherwise you're just seeing the backs of people's heads. Fortunately, we were not there the year that, do you remember this, when there was wind and weather yeah. and uh, one of the floats got loose and, I don't know, beheaded a woman? It was horrible. Do you remember that? I do remember that. When I said my, it's on my bucket list, meaning I want to be in a warm hotel room <laughs> overlooking 42nd Street, watching the parade, drinking a mimosa. That's okay. That's I, I would do that with you. That's pretty good. And Joanne, you have always made a huge deal. Joanne is a major cook and hostess. And Thanksgiving has always been one of your venues. Are you doing that again this year? Yes, but you know, I'm not, I, Thanksgiving is not my favorite holiday to cook for because it's very regimented in terms of what you have to cook for. Um, you have to have turkey, you have to have the stupid yams, the sweet potatoes, um, you know, the green bean casserole. So when I cook, I like to do something a little bit more imaginative and try out different things. But yes, I'm doing a big thing. In fact, we have two turkeys this year. Um, uh, one is a wild turkey and the other one is a traditional turkey. And we'll see how that goes. <laughs> and Joanne, I hope you're going to have the tricolor vegetables, which are inedible, but they make for a great party dish. I love the striped vegetables. No one likes them. But yes, I'm going to have the striped vegetables uh, that no one will eat but but me. It was a revelation in the year that my family moved uh, to Virginia Beach. And the timing was such that we were in our new house. Everything was still packed up. I couldn't have found the stove, much less a pan to put a turkey in. And we had to eat in a restaurant. I thought I was depriving my children of a big tradition and, uh, you know, the actual love and togetherness of Thanksgiving. And in fact, we went to this restaurant, uh, a hotel in a hotel right on the ocean and the water was coming in out the windows. You could see it. It was beautiful. And there was a buffet 
And yeah, they had the turkey, but they had lobster. They had crab. It was amazing. I never wanted to cook again at home. Not that I ever want to cook anyway, but that was that was revelatory to me. Well, there was one year that mom, when she turned 70, that we, yes. we went to Atlantic City. Um, oh, tell had, this story, Joanne. Lobster, and it was it was great. It was uh, it, it was absolutely fabulous. Um, it was us and a lot of Asian Americans. And that is who was in Atlantic City <laughs> over over Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, we have had some memorable Thanksgivings. When I was preparing for the show, I began thinking about them. Uh, Lisa, can you tell the story about the year that mom invited? I don't know whether it was your friends or Christine's friends. And he wanted to carve the turkey instead of our father, the butcher. Right. Our father was alive then and he always prided himself on his turkeys. In fact, my memories of Thanksgiving are having to fill out the turkey tags you know, in the <laughs> for the customers to the turkeys. Yes. But anyway, so uh, our guest was a friend of my sister, Christine, and um, her husband, David, and uh, he offered to carve the turkey. And my father let him and it looked like a bomb exploded <laughs> inside the turkey. It was like shredded turkey. You put it, it looked looks like it went through a blender. And my dad just stood there and just just stood and stared. He couldn't but believe he, it. He had plenty to say afterwards after the company had left. Yeah. So. I mean, 30 years later, we're still talking about it, aren't we? Right. Yeah, I, mean, I always remember dad at the end of meals getting up and saying to us, the five girls, five daughters, let's give mom a hand. And what did we always do, Joanne? <laughs> It annoyed him no end. It annoyed him no end at all. Uh, Joanne, do you remember the very memorable 1963 Thanksgiving? Lisa, I think you were too young then. But no, Joanne, I remember. You, I have. Do you remember it too? I totally okay. do. Lisa, what do you remember? I just remember mom was cooking and everybody was watching the TV in the living room and mom was just standing there and she was crying. And and I didn't realize it was because JFK had been assassinated and they were watching the news. Joanne? I, yeah. Oh, no, this was we were watching TV. I was in the living room with with dad. Mom was in the kitchen cooking. And all of a sudden we watched as uh, Jack Ruby take out a gun and shot Lee Harvey Oswald, Oswald on TV. And my father's going, tree, tree, tree. You got to come in and see that. And it was just fixating. Yeah. We, it was the one year that we were allowed to have, watch TV during dinner. We brought the that's, TV in. That's what I remember. And we, yeah. watched, and we watched the rest of it. And it was just, you know, um, a sad, weird, exciting, uh, but very, very memorable Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, when yeah, I, I when I teach in class news that changed your life, uh, that's the one I think all of our generation for. But like you, what I remember the most was watching TV while we were eating. We were never allowed to do that. You couldn't even have the TV on in another room when we were eating. And suddenly here they dragged the TV into the dining room and we were sitting there with uh, apples and uh, fruit and nuts all over the table watching, you know, a presidential murder. It was so, so surreal. Yeah. And do you remember, Joanne, the year, or maybe you too, Lisa, the year that uh, the freezer broke at the Franklin Market? Uh, Thanksgiving was the busiest time of year. Like Lisa said, she was making out tags for hundreds of customers waiting for their holiday meal, and the freezer went out. Do you remember that at all, Joe? I don't remember that. I, no, I don't. Uh, 
Yeah. Dad had to go in in the middle of the night. He got the call. Right. He and Mike went in. They had to pull all the turkeys out of the freezer so they could get fixed. And their turkeys were all over the floor with the tags on it. I, I remember us joking about how we wouldn't want one of those dirty turkeys. Poor dad. <laughs> I, re I remember uh, uh, the turkeys were, at, they weren't as, they were they like little, you had to like my my mother yeah, pluck the pin feathers over yeah. the thing picking with the tweezers the pin feathers out of uh, out of the out of the turkey i remember that very very vividly yeah mom had a special we still have them here the little pink tweezers mm -hmm. I, yeah. I hope I, I hope those aren't the ones I use on myself anymore. Now that I got to think about that. But yeah, she would bring those out to the kitchen and plug out all the little pin feathers from the disgusting animal. Yeah. And if but. she and if it was a really big turkey, she would put it in the bathtub to, um, to <laughs> thought. Remember that? <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah, I do. And mom's dressing was always memorable, too. Do you still make those when you uh, cook cook for yourself at Thanksgiving? She uh, She made I it with. I'm sorry. She made it with uh, sausage. sausage. And, yes, yes, I do, and celery. Yeah. Yes, it's, yep. uh, it's very yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, I still, I still have that I love too. Mom stuffing. It's true. I, I have to say though that of all the Christmas stories that we've told, or sorry, all the Thanksgiving stories that we've told and retold, my favorite, Joanne, is the year that your family was trying to take your mother-in-law back home to Florida. Can you can you tell us that story? Yeah, this was about 15 years ago. And we had brought my mother-in-law, Edith, up to where we lived in Washington because she was widowed. She was alone. She had just been diagnosed with cancer. And we thought it would be good to have her um, near us. Not a good idea. She was absolutely miserable the whole time. Um, uh, she never left her assisted living apartment. And so she insisted on going back down to Florida. So um, me, my husband, and my two kids, uh, son and daughter, you know, packed her up and we were gonna take her down for Thanksgiving. It was the first time that we have an extended time that we could drive down. We left on Thanksgiving morning and the plan was to get there and we were gonna have like dinner, Thanksgiving dinner with my brother-in-law and sister-in-law in Florida. Well, things were going fine until we got outside of Savannah, some kind of like bizarre, I don't know if I'm allowed to say, bum expletive town. And the U-Haul truck broke down on Thanksgiving day. Couldn't be fixed. We're there stranded. We ended up in a hotel. There were no restaurants. I mean, the nicest restaurant they had was Cracker Barrel. That was closed. We ended up at like a Waffle House eating chicken biscuit sandwiches. And what was most depressing about it, well, there was a lot of things depressing about it. What most was depressing about it was that there were a lot of other people who were like, they were spending their Thanksgiving dinner there. And it that was, was their regular day. That was their regular day. And ugh. and also the fact that there was no wine. That was also like a major <laughs> factor. We were stranded there for two days before we got to, um, um, before we got to, uh, to Florida. Oh my God. Very memorable. I, I have heard that story. You and your daughter, Jessica, tell that story about eight times, and it always makes me break out laughing. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Sometimes one of your worst um, Thanksgivings are the most memorable because, you know, the it's years true. when they just sort of all blend together, you know, the turkey and the mashed potatoes and everything. So that stood out. The other one that stands out was um, I had just started at the Washington Post. My kids were little and, you know, I didn't have any seniority. So I got stuck working Thanksgiving. I thought, oh, they'd be nice. I'll have the I'll have my family come down and we'll, you know, spend, you know, Thanksgiving, you know, together. We'll eat at the Washington Post cafeteria. It was like eating in a prison, 
Y'all, it was so depressing. So See, much- I always loved, I, I signed up to work on holidays. I would tell my family, oh yeah, I have to work like you, that whole low in the, uh, in the seniority thing. But I loved it because nothing ever happened except stories on holidays are the biggest thing. They're like national or international stories. So who wouldn't want to be on that? And everybody would feel sorry for you for having to work so we, they would bring in platters of food and dessert. I loved working in newsrooms on holidays. <laughs> Well, when, when I worked in the ER, we because uh, you had to work a holiday, either Christmas or Thanksgiving. So if it was Thanksgiving, everybody would bring in a dish and we just put it on a stretcher in the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. Did your kids, are they carrying forward any of the traditions that we had as kids growing up? Lisa, Zach, you, you have one son. Do you think he follows? I guess I, I'm talking about him as if he's not here. Zach, what do you do we- think? Any traditions? It, it wouldn't be the first time, Rosemary, that you talked about me as if I was not here, or Joanne, or or, or my mother, or anyone else. So oh, there's that grievance of the younger generation. No, 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 no. Uh, not at all. No grievance at all. In fact, actually, I love holidays with my mother. I love holidays with the family. You know, watching the parade with my mother. Uh, having her getting me pissed drunk at 11 o'clock in the morning because she has no idea what a strong pour in a pumpkin martini actually is. Oh, my God. She's almost killed me with, uh, what was that, <laughs> the carrot cake martini. I had, I, I, unbelievable. Yeah, you're right about that. Um, but no, I, and I, no, Joanna mom with the Bloody Marys one year. So at the fish, at the, yeah, at the fish. So this is one of our traditions. We drink Lisa's ridiculous drinks and go, go blind. Yeah. It's, I mean, for some reason, you know, some people do like their drinks to taste good as well as get them (laughs) drunk, not just get you as drunk as humanly possible. Don't, don't you think it's amazing that mom will be 98 on this Thanksgiving? Um, I believe that is the thing that I am most grateful for, that we still have her. I understand she's not the mother exactly that we grew up with, but there's still enough of her there that um, she makes me laugh every day. So I'm thankful for that. Lisa, what are you most thankful for this year? Oh, boy, you caught me off guard. Um, I am thankful for my family, as always. Um, We're preparing for um, another uh, traditional Armeo cookie party. Um, and so this is just like the beginning of the season. Thanksgiving kind of kicks it off. So explain the cookie party. You have to explain it. Our listeners don't know what you're talking about. Well, when grandma turned 99, we didn't know if she was going to make it to a hundred. So we decided to reenact. Uh, she used to do a traditional Christmas Eve fish dinner. So her birthday was December 15th and we could never celebrate her birthday because it was too close to Christmas. So when she turned 99, we had a traditional fish dinner. And then the next day we had a cookie party where we play cards and give out these tchotchke gifts and um, eat and drink, which is what we're very good at. Um, and it's an Armeo tradition that's been going on for, I don't know, uh, well over 30 years. Uh, sometimes cousins are included. Uh, COVID kind of put the kibosh on it for a couple of years, uh, but we're reenacting it again this year. Um, so this is the launch of the season. Joanne, I'm sure you started looking at the menu two months ago. So yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a women's only event and you um, have to make cookies and we do swap, but there's a lot of food. We play a card game. There are prizes, there are presents. And it actually started out as a way to celebrate my grandmother's uh, uh, birthday. 
And um, it started in the basement of her house, which I didn't like it in the basement. So I moved it out of the basement. Um, But it's a big event. And um, that's a tradition. One of the reasons that we're continuing it this year is that my family, my daughter, my son, my sister, my daughter-in-law, um, and my granddaughter all love it. And so they're clamoring for a cookie party. So we'll be doing that this year. That's and really the, nice. And the gifts, ahead, will, the gifts will be very tasteful this year. I think you'll be impressed in the gifts. <laughs> well, listen, I want to I want to thank you uh, both for participating. You know, I had to, you know, my rule, only two sisters at a time. So you 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 two made the cut. I'll have to make it up to uh, Kate and Kippy later on. Um, happy Thanksgiving. And our Mayo on the Brink is brought to you by Peacock Pots. The crew at Peacock Pots is busy right now throwing pottery as we speak to be ready in time for your holiday shopping. Make sure to check out their brand new website coming soon at PeacockPots.com. And our Mayo on the Brink is also brought to you by Orchard Air LLC, a multifaceted company that encompasses a state-of-the-art recording studio, event management services, and Karen's Place, a gorgeous guest house available as a short-term rental for up to 12. Donations from Orchard Air LLC profits every year go directly to the Alzheimer's Association. All right, Rosemary, we're back here on on our mail on the brink, and we have some special guests, one that took some twisting of your arm and twisting of their arms to be a part of this special episode here. As they we re- owe me. They owe me, Zach. They owe you life. You gave them life. That's right. So, but yes, I will give you the proud distinction, pleasure, and honor of introducing our guests here for our uh, second segment on this Thanksgiving special episode. Oh, thank you. I, these are people who are on the show, not for money, but for love of me. And they include my baby son, Marco Liuzzi, and my middle son, currently my favorite, Michael Liuzzi. And he is my favorite because he has produced and given me Gemma Liuzzi, my granddaughter. She's our special guest star today. Okay. So, so- I, I want to ask... I, Go ahead. No, I need to interrupt because I want to start right there. And we're going to go right to Marco. Marco, how does it feel as your mother introduces the middle child, Michael, as her favorite to the world? I I need your thoughts on that introduction. He's used to it. I feel that that uh, shifts quite often. And as the baby, I generally receive the most attention growing up. Um, I also think that uh, my mother tends to tell the person who needs to hear that the most that that's the case. So you misinterpret, you misinterpret Marco. This is all about encouraging you to produce offspring, which would raise your position. Lobbying. This is for both of you. Gemma, don't you need a cousin? Gemma, don't you need a cousin? Okay. So my follow up here is for both of you. Then if, if Marco produces a grandchild, does that automatically move him up to number one? Good question. No. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's definitely a competition. So yeah, I would say so. For me, oh, you're you are always number one, Gemma. You are the number one granddaughter. You can't lose. So, are you looking forward to Thanksgiving? 
Mm-hmm. Gemma? Yeah. How come? I, I like turkey. <laughs> ah, that's a good reason. Do do you do my boys hate me because I was never the cook? I don't ever remember making Thanksgiving dinner. Has that scarred you for life? No, it's just uh it's just always funny to joke you about it because you're a little sensitive, you know. But that's why we that's why we have family reunions because then there's always people that do know how to cook. So we've always had pretty fun get togethers. Yeah, this is true. This is why I never needed to cook. I had my mother or my grandmother. Marco, how about you? Are you scarred? You and you have a wife who's a wonderful cook now. So yeah, so Nikki, my wife, cooks and uh, she's a great cook, and as well as my mother-in-law, who's also a good cook. Um, but I mean, you always baked. I like cookies. I'm a oh yeah, that's addict, so. that's true. Okay, so I I made you okay. And how about you, Mike? Because. Uh, Jess, your partner is a wonderful cook and baker. She she's made she out. I think you're seeing what happens. Uh, the brothers realize we need uh, significant others who know how to cook. Well, so the the thing is, is our father cooked. And- he was a great cook. I I I don't say many good things about him, but he was a fabulous cook. He's a good cook, but we yeah. we never picked up after that. So like we're all helpless in the kitchen. Well, at one time, Mikey, you were after your father to uh, to teach you how to cook so you could attract girls. <laughs> this is fake news, but I am oh, I, I no, do, I'm on record as being really good with the air fryer. I'm one of the best <laughs> air fryers in the nation. All that. right. So we can't talk about uh, Thanksgiving boys without talking about the very famous Trivial Pursuit game that ended in violence. Who's going to tell the story? Well, What's funny about this is I don't, I don't even remember what it was over. I, I thought oh, it was, I do. I thought it was Marco and Cisco were arguing about a, a question. I got no. involved. No, it was after the game was over. Yeah, okay, it, wait, it was wait, after wait, the wait, game wait. was over. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. It was not after the game was over. The game ended because of the incident. It was the no, final. No. It was the final question. It was the final what was question. The question? So hold on, hold on, hold on. It was it, about wrestling. I remember I the final question. It may, it may have been about wrestling. It may not have been. But I believe Cisco asked, answered and asked the wrong color. That you guys had picked science or picked something that you didn't necessarily know the answer to. But he asked the wrong question and he got it right. And it determined the game. That is my recollection of it. Is that someone... You guys like pick brown, and he asked the orange question. I, I don't, honestly, I don't remember the details of it. I know that we're all drunk is what I remember. Oh, my God. <laughs> what an impression you're leaving my listeners about the family. Oh, yeah. We had been drinking that day. That we had a rousing game. You don't talk about drinking on the radio ever. <laughs> so, so, anyways, I, I feel like it was Marco and – and uh, Cisco were bickering about something. I think I, I think I was on Cisco's side, but I do not know why Marco sucker punched me in the face. But I do remember being like, it, it happened, happened out of nowhere, and I just remember like me and him were wrestling. I think at some point you were trying to break it up and you fall backwards. Yes, I ended up in a plant that so day. <laughs> when Cisco takes me off of off of him, right? Because Cisco has to intervene. All I do, all I can see is my mom's legs sticking up, her little feet sticking up. 
And it's Oz, like, what, 90th birthday? And she's just in the background, just, you know, this is my favorite. Horrified. And that, it used uh, to know, be her favorite game. Well, it still is. She still can play it. She still remembers At, it. She's, she's going to be 98 this year, 98. And, yeah. and her birthday is on Thanksgiving, so. So what I recall of the incident was that we were wrestling. We were all laughing and I was on top of Zach or somebody on the couch and like Mike ripped, like ripped me off with the collar of my shirt, which I heard tear. And that does, that made me upset and I lashed out. I don't know if I actually punched him. I think I just shoved him. And then, and then we started fighting and, uh, yeah, it's not my proudest moment, but like we're, <laughs> we were drunk, you know, we were drunk and we were being stupid and tensions were high and, and that happens. Okay. I, okay. So I need to follow up, Marco. Why <laughs> do tensions get so high over a game of Trivial Pursuit during well, things? Tensions, uh, tensions with me in particular, like me in particular, I like, I get sensory overload being around everybody and like, it's oh. just, it's just volume, like trying to compete volume wise with everybody just irritates me. Like, it's, especially when we're playing a game and like, you're trying to say an answer and you're just being shouted out, like shouted over by everybody else. And I like, I'm not a loud speaker. So for me to have to raise my voice, it's just, it just irritates me. I, I can understand this, Marco, because I love my family, but I can't stand them. And I have a rule that I don't ever get together with more than two sisters at a time. And sensory overload is exactly the right way to explain yeah. it. It just, I, I do not become myself. Uh, yeah. I, it just changes you. You almost okay, shut down. Like, yeah, I do shut down. I sit in a corner or go off and take a nap or something. Yeah, family's hard. So, Mike, you are the complete opposite of that, though. You tend to, as family is going on, as we gather, you tend to sit in the middle of a conversation and make sure that everyone is staring and looking at you. I will say this. Um, I, I have a range. So I, when I'm around a lot of talkers and in our family, everyone's got an opinion. Everyone has to shout it out. I match that energy. Um, so yeah, I tend to, I tend to go with the flow and it, especially if you get a bunch of our, the cousins together, um, that's always was the funnest part about getting get togethers. Yeah. The grownups do their, you know, their boring stuff. And then there was all of us youngsters that would get together, you know, we'd partake in, you know, certain things we get to hang out it was always that was always my favorite part of get togethers even to this day because now it's you know i haven't been to the lake house but i know the compound or the beach house this is where we have the reunions now and these are uh, these are places that my sisters own and we all we're yeah. a big italian family there's five sisters there's uh eight grandchildren there's soon to be five great grandchildren and we all get together and it's chaos and pandemonium and hell but the food is good <laughs> a lot of love there's a lot, yeah, a lot of, love. of love a lot of love a yeah lot that's love true there. that's true uh, mikey you're a, a teacher um a middle school teacher in virginia um how do your kids react what's it like thanksgiving time with uh, in your classroom uh you know it's in, in terms of like are they more excited 
or yeah, or do they pay attention or? Well, the, the cool thing about it is like, so next week we'll have school Monday, Tuesday, but then we'll get that Wednesday, Thursday, Friday off. So it's like a five day weekend. Right. And it's also, uh, November is a fun month for school. October, I don't, if you're a teacher, you know this, but October, March are the hardest months. They're long. Right. There's not a lot of free days, but then November, December, that's when you have all these breaks. So it feels, and it's almost kind of like a midway point. So it is a nice moment. And then I, I honestly think Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. You got really? friends, friends, family, football. You don't have all the pressure of buying all the gifts, right? That don't get me wrong. I love Christmas, but you know, you, especially with kids and, and all these people that have to buy stuff for it, it can be stressful. You know, Christmas so, is definitely better when you're the kid. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I, I've always liked Thanksgiving, whether it was small get togethers or big family reunions. It was just kind of always like a time off from work. You get to hang out with people you don't normally get to because, you know, when you get old, life happens. It's hard to meet up. So I've always been a fan of Thanksgiving. Gemma, what's your favorite holiday? Is it Thanksgiving? I like Halloween. Oh, what were you for Halloween this year? Um, or like a like a circus person, I guess. Oh, that's interesting. So, do either of your boys even remember? I think it was the year two thousand and five. It was the first Thanksgiving that I did not spend at home. I wasn't even in the country, and I was so homesick in Uganda. You probably don't even remember that, do you? No, Mikey? like yeah. By two thousand five, I'm I'm like a year out of college. I'm probably wrapped up in my own little world. So yeah, not I don't even. Of you. And I'm, I feel like I'm getting so old now. I can't even remember. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Marco, how about you? Do you remember it? You're 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 four years younger than than Mikey. Do you remember? Um, I'm kind of in the same boat as Mike. I, I was a freshman in uh college and I think I was going through one of the my first breakout with my real girlfriend. So I was a, a, a So yeah, who who thinks of their mother? But I, I was in Uganda and I, I never get homesick. I was homesick then because I miss my family. I miss Turkey. I miss Thanksgiving. It was a completely different culture. They had nothing like that. So I went to uh, a wedding. I thought that would be very distracting and there'd be great food. It'd be like a festivity. But the wedding uh, was held outdoors and there was a torrential rainstorm, unbelievable monsoon like rain. And um, so we all just grabbed what food we could and went into the cars in the parking lot. And so I sat in a car filled with Ugandans, only one of whom I knew, and ate um, wedding fare, which in Uganda the same thing that we ate every day which was cut up goat and mashed bananas with peanut yeah. sauce and that was like wow this is way different than the thanksgivings i have known <laughs> and she would and this was your mother's favorite thanksgiving miles away from her sisters no well the sister part yes but not miles away from home that that's not true that's not true <laughs> so um what are you planning to do this year marco are you you're eating with um at home, Mikey, how about you? Well, I, th I think we're going to be going to uh, Kathy and Frank's. That's what we've been doing the last four or five years now. These are um, in-laws, basically. Basically, yeah. They they have, you know, they're the grandparents. You know, got a matriarch there, Kathy. She kind of, they make a bunch of food, turkey, ham, all the fixings, you know. And then you will, call, you will call, though, to say hello to your mother and grandmother, right? Every, every year. Never fail. Like, never every fail. Every year. And uh, Marco, how about you? 
so the last uh, few years, since uh, Nikki and I bought a house, we typically host uh, Thanksgiving at our place with my mother-in-law, uh, Nikki's sister, and also uh, her grandmother who now moved down here from Virginia. Oh, that's cool. Uh, we usually uh, make a ham. <laughs> we don't yeah. like turkey. Oh. All right, but but listen, we're getting close to the end of this, and I know Zach wanted this to be all like family and love and everything, but I can't have the two of you on without asking the question: Have you resolved your differences about whether aliens exist or not? Yes, Marco. Yeah. Yeah. Uh So let's let's uh, reframe this argument because the <laughs> issue at stake is. <laughs> <laughs> is whether or not UFOs exist, unidentified flying objects, and that has been proven to be true, confirmed by the Pentagon and Congress. Uh, so then the issue is, well, what are these objects? And undeniably, a vast majority of them are probably terrestrial craft or misidentified natural phenomenon that, you know, people see and they mischaracterize or misidentify, but there is a percentage that are not identified and that are clearly some kind of craft being flown. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, our own government is saying it, our own Congress is saying it. And, uh, you know, if I think, I think if Russia or China had something that was that advanced, we would all be speaking Russian or Mandarin. Because it is light years more evolved technology than anything that we have in our arsenal. And, and that's been spoken about by top gun pilots, by generals, by uh, top uh, intelligence officials who know what we possess. So I think there's something there there. You had the YouTube plan was being used for about. I don't know how many missions until it got shot down. And then they have to admit that they had a YouTube plan. So do I think you have aliens from other countries flying around the atmosphere of earth, or is it probably some military tech, America, China, Russia, whoever that's undercover. And now that we have better tech, uh, we can find these little videos of these flying things when it's most likely Oxum razor. It's basically probably some, secret you know black ops type operation because we've been you know we had drones for decades before we, we knew we were using them i think it's one of those type of things um and if you talk to actual astrophysicists the 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 things the variables you would need to have uh another being from a planet far away come here um they don't, the smartest human beings can't explain that physics. So is it plausible that there's intelligent life out on another planet? Of course. Do I think that you have aliens flying around the Earth's atmosphere? No, I don't. And I'm not saying Marco's wrong. I'm just saying, like, I'm one of those people, like, give me evidence. And I'm not talking, like, pilots, even though they're legit pilots and they're, you know, they're great at what they do. Like, I need, or, like, videos of flying Tic Tacs. Like, I need better evidence before I start thinking outside that box, right? That's where I'm at on that. So okay. I have to ask, why on this podcast can you two have this intelligent, well-thought-out, articulate <laughs> conversation, but on a cousin's text thread, or if we're in person, it turns into a UFC fight that, you know, your mother <laughs> has to intervene and referee of? 
here's my issue. Hold on. This is my issue. Here's my issue. I don't care if somebody disagrees with me. I'm not saying 100% I'm certain there's aliens. I'm just saying that there's proof that there's something that we can't explain, that our government has that has evidence of that they can't explain. And, you know, you can talk about how, like, yeah, Russia and China is possibly, you know, behind some of this technology. Sure, I don't doubt it. But, like, the TikTok video, nobody can explain that. Even the smartest people in the world, even, you know, people that are experts in weaponry and adversarial craft cannot explain that. That is why, you know, it's brought up so often. Because that was something that was witnessed by ship's radar, by a plane's uh targeting computer and camera by uh you know by people's own eyes you know top gun pilots who are trained uh to to observe things and know what they are in sky you know pilots yeah, I, I, thousands I, of flight hours this, so, this is my so, hold on i'm not i'm not finished yet so <laughs> why we why we can't disagree in a uh in a courteous manner is mainly because of how this topic is treated uh, by the larger public and by, you know, people, members of this family who disagree with me, who I understand they disagree with me. I understand why they disagree with me, but it's disrespectful, especially considering the fact that I'm not some crackpot. I don't believe in Bigfoot. I don't believe in the Loctis monster. I generally consider myself a logical uh, person who, like, can, considers evidence. So th there's that. I, yeah, you you are you are. My Marco is right. I have to say, in the fact that um, you both are logical and evidence should be what we're looking for. But the press does make fun of it. I brought this up. I brought up this topic once or twice on the roundtable at WAMC, and uh, at least one panelist just treated it like I was a joke, and the whole thing was a joke. So can, they're not even looking for the evidence. Can I be honest though? Like that whistleblower guy. Like if you watch his interview, yeah, I did. He, he's the reason why no one takes alien stuff serious because that guy is like, he's got all this evidence. He didn't see anything himself. He's saying we have like alien body collected parts. it, yeah. And he he's got like those crazy eyes during the interview. I just it's people like him. Okay, so that, David, hold, on, hold on, Marco, because you you had the floor for a little bit, and yeah. I don't necessarily disagree with anything you said about why you suspect aliens. I agree with your your argument. I just I don't come to the conclusion that it's some, you know, other being in some, you know, super tech, uh, you know, UFO. I, th I think it is American. I think not necessarily American, but I think it's human made black ops tech. The second the problem with black ops tech is once you use it, your enemy gets it and they can use it against you. So you want to keep that tech as low uh, profile as possible until you absolutely need to use it. This is stuff that is, whether it's the YouTube plane or ballistic uh, anti ballistic missiles like these are all things that are made in the dark and we don't find out about it until, say, the press finds out or. A YouTube plane gets shot down by the Russians, and that's when everything opens up of like, oh, this is what's going on, right? Um, I also think we got a lot of stuff flying around the air that our better radars picking up, like that spy balloon. You know, you blow that up, and then you got the military blowing up a bunch of other stuff in the air that don't even know what it is. So I just think 
the unknown doesn't necessarily bring me to think it's aliens. That's I, I think that's the big disconnect. Can I make an I'm no, saying. no, we're running out of time, guys. I want uh, Zach to come in and then we're gonna wrap it up. Word on that? Got it. <laughs> Here's a th theory out of left field is that the aliens are actually in the ocean, that they've been here the whole time, and that fish and squid and all the things that we haven't discovered underneath the ocean, those are the actual true aliens. And really? they're not going to come from outer space. They're coming from under the planet. I think you've just gotten a sample of what our uh, Thanksgiving Day dinner conversation is like. I'm really proud of my kids. I can't believe how smart they are and where this came from i don't know but uh, they're always there's always interesting sometimes exact sometimes annoying as hell but they are fun and i hope you've enjoyed this taste of them today and our mail on the brink is brought to you by the apple barn and country bake shop in bennington vermont famous for its legendary apple cider donuts pies gifts and for their corn maze and covered bridge Go to theapplebarn.com to learn more about the spirit of Vermont you can find at the Apple Barn. I, I can't help thinking, though, this Thanksgiving about families in Ukraine and Palestine and Israel who are not having such a good time, are not finding uh, things to laugh about. Have you changed your hard stance on that issue, Joanne, since we talked in our first episode? Um, I'm still very um, sympathetic um, to Israel and the situation that they're in. I still think that what happened on October 7th was um, horrifying, horrible, inexcusable, and no context. But I just don't see any kind of insight. I mean, no one can watch what's going on and feel good about 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 in, about anything. Um, yeah. And I yeah. just wish it were you know were over. But I just. No. Yeah, I I feel I like I don't have the words. I don't have the words. I don't have a solution. People are a little tired of talking about it. It's hard to take a stand uh, on either side or even in the middle and not be attacked for thinking the wrong way. But 16,000 dead people in, in Palestine and counting is horrible. So are those families who are facing Thanksgiving with hostages still being held far from them. They don't know their fate. And then there's Ukraine, which has been bombed consistently. Yeah. And um, they, they we, we don't even think about them anymore. I don't know. This past week, I went to the March for Israel um, in Washington, D.C. My best friend, Susan, was coming from Dallas for it. And I decided to go with her as a sign of solidarity. She's my good friend. She's Jewish. You know, she could have been, I, visiting, she could have been visiting in, in Israel and, and being held hostage. Right. And what was really powerful about it is how cathartic it was for all of these people who were Jewish, who were saying that they felt so helpless and so under siege and that they felt that they had to do something. And yeah, and, yeah. and that they feel, and people were talking about how they and people that they know are being attacked. Um, and we can't lose sight of that. Well, we also cannot lose sight, I think, of the people of Palestine and their friends and allies and relatives who are just as worried about them on the West Bank and in places like Jordan, I hear from them. I've lost several Jewish friends by expressing support for the Palestinians. And uh, that's unfortunately seen by them as being pro-terrorist or anti-Semitic. I think that's crazy. But uh, at any rate, we I think we can all agree that this is a horrendously bad time for them. They don't actually celebrate Thanksgiving, but they have nothing to be thankful for. Just don't use the phrase from either. the river to the sea. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. That's... Uh, 
actually someone was saying doesn't that make from sea to shining sea and our national anthem our national songs uh equally anti-indigenous people Music for this episode of An Armeo on the Brink has been composed by David Keckley. His works are available through Pine Valley Press, a Williamstown, Massachusetts music publishing firm. As we uh, wrap up this Thanksgiving Day episode, I want to thank the people who are most important to the podcast. That's you, the listeners. Thank you for coming back every week to Armeo on the Brink and for your many suggestions. A lot of you have told me that you wished I were still on the round table. Um, I got to be honest, I miss WAMC a lot too. But there is something to this potting business, and so I'm sticking with it. And I would love for you to also. Maybe soon, if there's demand, we can go to two times a week. It'll just be like the round table all over again. What we are definitely doing at the start of the year is uh, launching an On the Brink website. It'll have a blog. We'll have an archive of uh, past episodes. There'll be a place for you to send in comments and uh, questions formally. But in the meantime, you can always write to me at my Facebook page and you can put comments on the YouTube edition of uh, On the Brink. And I have a, a suggestion for you right away. We've just spent a half an hour telling you about our most memorable uh, Thanksgivings. I would like to hear about yours. Write to us. Besides YouTube, you can find On the Brink on Spotify, on Apple, on Amazon, on iHeartRadio. Basically, all the places that carry podcasts were there. We want you to be there, too. So, again, I thank and I toast you and I toast and thank my family members, especially granddaughter Gemma, who has patiently been putting up with all this grown-up blather for a while now. And my sisters, my sons, my nephew, executive producer Zachary Grady. As author Alan Gerganis put it once, family, can't live with them, can't get born without them. Cheers, go eat turkey. Thank you.